This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 658 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Total Saddle Fit. This week, we are joined by fitness guru Tony Sandoval with ways to improve your ride with a short warm-up. Next up is FEI competitor Jordan LaPlaca explaining the process of entering a CDI. Following that, we were talking about turn on the forehand with Julie Penshorn for our tip of the week. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How's things in, in Loxahatchee, Florida? Loxahatchee, Florida. Well, there have been no falling iguanas this week, so that's okay. good. It's quite warm. So I do have to report <laughs> that became <laughs> a, a thing. Like everyone is like, seriously, which tree was it? <laughs> Where are they? Um, so we've had no falling iguanas. There maybe have, have been a few uh, falling, falling palm fronds. Those are really a personal favorite of all my horses. We had one fall the other day. And the horse, I mean, it scares the horses, right? Because it's fine. And then the next thing you know, this huge branch falls down and the horse is like, oh, it's a mess. So, um, you know, my horses are getting some wildlife experience uh, okay. down here in Florida. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's good. That's good. Keep everybody on their toes, right? Legitimately. But yeah, no, it's really good down here. Uh, it's really full swing now. Now it now it's really busy. This week is the Palm Beach Derby. So that's one of the most uh, historic horse shows. Uh, so it's really fun um, to be to be down here. And yeah, everybody's showing and uh, we kind of see so, the end. Uh, you know, here, here's the thing about a derby yeah, yes. or a derby class is where... Um, several riders ride, uh, I think this week they're going to ride the small tour, right? The, yes, the St. George. George. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then, and then they switch horses and then they ride yep. it again and then, yep. you know, and then they switch horses and they ride it again. So I think, it, you know, the Derby champion will be the best rider and, and, and they the get a certain amount of horses. time. It's, yeah. It's a separate, right. uh, it's a separate, uh, um, awards, I guess. Right. So normally. Yes. It's rider and horse combination that that wins a show. This this one will be best rider and best horse, and I, I think it's really cool. It's a, it's a great. It's super fun to watch, yeah. and the riders only get so. Um, they're last year, and again, I haven't seen the start list for this year, but they're four riders, and they ride um, or maybe six riders. Mm. Anyways, they they ride a test on their horse, then they get a certain amount of time. It's like ten minutes on their partner's horse. And so you literally switch. So you have 10 minutes to sort of go. Uh, there's some strategy. Everybody has a little strategy to it, but really the flying changes are critical because I would, I would say I have seen it lost or won on flying changes because they're so personal. You know, normally you can get a half pass. So normally if you watch a good rider get on there, they get on there, they ride a little shoulder in, they ride a little haunches in, maybe a little half pass and then a flying change each way, maybe a line of changes maybe a little pirouette each way and that's what they do and they go in so it's it's really fun to watch actually and yeah uh, I, I, just a, just a little uh a note on the flying changes i remember when charlotte was giving a clinic here and uh i mean we all know charlotte and Vallegro and and she said that um her her coach carl hester could not ride the one you know one time tempies on Vallegro. And really? I think it's just because uh, there's, you know, there's just a different button, like you're, you know, the different leg lengths and different timing. And, you know, th- th- like you said, that's, it's very personal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's two top, top, top riders. They train together, you know, every day and whatever. And, and, and the flying train changes didn't translate from one rider to the coach. Yeah. But just the way it is. Right. So yeah, just the way it uh, is for sure. That's, yeah. that's super difficult. <laughs> so it is. If you get a chance to watch it online, everything's live stream right now. And uh, you can find that if you go to the Global Dressage website, Global Dressage Festival, you go to that website, you can find a quick link to the live stream. So all the classes are live streamed. Um, and that happens for every CDI here in Wellington and California, I think as well. 
Um, and it's great. You get to watch the scores come up. So it's a great way to, to educate yourself. It's free. Um, so it's a, it's a really good thing to watch. So super fun to watch the Derby if you get a chance. So I love it, but Phil, we've got a great show for everybody. We're going to get started right after this commercial break from Kentucky performance products. This nutrition minute is brought to you by Kentucky performance products. The company that simplifies your search for research proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, we are so excited to invite and have back Tony Sandoval, our, my coach. He puts up with me. I'm so happy to have you back, Tony. Welcome. Hey, Reese. Uh, nice to be back. I love doing this stuff. Uh, I'm excited for today's topic. I know. So I actually, this is near and dear to my heart because I, and I think maybe Phil's in the same category, but you know, a lot of riders have hip and low back pain. And I wanted to talk about that because that's what you and I work together with a lot as I'm aging. So I wanted to kind of talk about that topic. So I'll let you get started. Wait, 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 Reese. What? I just wanted to say hi to Tony. And I wanted to <laughs> ask him about it because he visited Florida and did a bunch of sessions with people. So I wanted to <laughs> sort of get his perspective on on that crazy place that is Wellington and uh, and, and see, see what I thought about all that. Oh, Phil, I mean... That was my first time there, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. So that's that's kind of why I, I, you know, you just put <laughs> fresh eyes on it. Yeah, no, the you know, at first you're just like jaw dropping, like whoa, this people that have full on legit proper rings uh, covered arenas in their front yard, and I'm just like, is that is that normal? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is in Wellington. And then when I, you know, <laughs> meeting all the people there and and working with a lot of the dressage people, that, that's why I thought this would be a good, a good topic because although I love a lot of the commitment that people show there and everybody's very dialed in. I mean, Reese talks about, about it all the time. You know, she does very well and stays committed to the program because she's in an, an atmosphere that you can easily do that. There's not a lot of distractions. It's just all about training both uh, your horse and yourself. So I love that atmosphere. I loved it. Great, great, great. Now, okay, so now now we can get to a, a Tony's tip or a Tony's <laughs> discussion. Yeah, that's all. That's all I. That's all I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> oh, cool. So today's topic: What are the main causes of hip and lower back pain? I think is really important to talk about because as I assess people, and at some point or another, somebody will sneak in. Oh yeah, my lower back hurts, or my hip is hurting, or when I'm leg yielding, I find it difficult to do X because I feel it in my hip flexor or I feel a strain in my low back. So all these things, even though they're addressed to me differently, they all stem from the same thing, right? And that's low back hip pain. And I would say that with research on this topic, one, if not the number one reasons why is poor posture and ergonomics. And what I mean by ergonomics is overall how you stand, how you perform daily tasks uh, when you are set up what we call a lot of disadvantaged muscles because some are stretched out and get weaker and some are very tight. And when they get tight, they don't function properly. 
So when we work at our desk all day, when we're sitting watching TV, when we're driving for a long time and our body gets really used to that posture, the body is going to make sitting very ergonomical because you're doing it for such a long time. So it's, it's perfect. It, it knows what to do. But then, but then you take that posture and you take it to writing, there's where the brain gets a little bit messed up because it's going, wait, we were just fine rounding our shoulders, slouching our back, tucking our hip under, you know, under our shoulders, for the most part, relaxing core, turning off glutes, and we can sit for a long time. And now you want us to activate all these. How? How do we do that? And so when people ride, uh, especially adult amateurs that maybe are there for one, two horses, there's where you start seeing a lot of back pain when they ride. You might not get back pain from doing any other activity, but when you're doing something, a sport that requires proper posture for riding, you set yourself up at a disadvantage. And then there are, there are other reasons, right? I think another reason, you know, you come in with a prior injury that you never, ever treated, which is so uncommon for riders, right, Reese? Exactly. Yeah. I've had one of those when I was young and, you know, when, <laughs> you know, when you're young, you don't think about it and you probably didn't, I, I probably didn't put as much effort into it when I was 20 that I would have to now, but it certainly has affected, you know, riding as I've gotten older or just the general wear and tear of horses that I rode that probably now I wouldn't ever ride, you know, like, Oh, so I tell my youngsters that I'm like, yeah, you think that's going to work now, but just, you know, add 20 years to yourself. Um, so exactly. I don't think, and, and, you know, riders are notorious about not taking good care of their bodies, not taking care of injuries, not focusing on it and, um, not going to, and, and lifting heavy things, probably not lifting the right way. You know, when you lift a tack trunk or, or bale of hay, you know, nobody ever really taught me that till I was older. And, uh, you know, that was already wear and tear that had already happened. So, um, I think that's also just reasons as you get older that you have to focus on. Um, but, but Tony, I mean, I, I agreed. I sitting, I think is the worst part. I think most people will sit at a desk or not be paying attention and then they go ride their horse. Right. So there's, and they, I guarantee they don't stretch. Right. You, you see that all the time and preach that. All the time. And when you come in with just those two, those, those top two reasons, it makes it very difficult for anyone to actually access all the muscles that they have available, but they're only accessing, we'll say 60 to 70%, which now creates more strain uh, and more likelihood of injury. So it is a vicious circle because I get it. I, I've been around enough barns now to know you only have a limited time. You get there, you do what you need to do to prepare. Then you have your lesson or you have your time slot that you have to, to do your work and then, you know, back to the barn and then do your things to get ready to leave. And then you got to get ready for the next day tomorrow. So it's, there is no time for a lot of people to do anything. But I think that you owe it to yourself for longevity and for your horse, as far as communication purposes are concerned, to devote at least five minutes. You can do so much in five minutes if you know what you're doing and have these go-to exercises that, I mean, you don't even need equipment, just something to tell the brain, hey, we're getting ready to do these movements and we, I need you to get out of this posture and now start going into this type of more, um, we're going to call it functional for your activity type of posture. I think riding is, is so unique because not only do we have to access, you know, the strong core muscle, but all of the, the other postural muscles are, you know, because your horse is, I mean, moving around underneath you and, and you've constantly got to be small movements while also engaging the, the big, strong you know, like ab muscles and, and those ones that we do, I don't think there's anything else that, that can really, you know, replicate that, you know, so, so what do you, what do you think that, you know, how do you advise riders who, you know, especially adult amateurs, they have their one horse, you know, how are they going to access all of those things uh, while not on the horse, you know, for a workout plan or, or, or something like that? What's your advice? 
So I think you make a good point. Uh, and the goal of any warm up is to get you out of your sitting posture. So if we exit that posture and then you get into this more of a functional type of uh, uh, posture ready for any sport, when you sit down on your saddle, then you will have the opportunity to access all those small, very intricate muscles that you use when you're riding. So there is no sport-specific exercise to get you ready. The only sport-specific exercise is riding itself. But with a warm-up, it will allow you to access those muscles. It's like you're taking the locks off all your tools, and now you have all this access to tools, the tools that you need to ride. But it doesn't show you how to use the tools. That in itself is doing the job. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. Yeah, Yeah, it does. So, Tony, what are some things? Yeah, what what do you do? What are that five minutes? What do you need to be doing in those five minutes when you're getting ready to warm up? What I do in five minutes with people that don't have time is I try to use the barn area because they're usually there. There's where they are, you know, they can, before they start tacking, they have, they're all ready to go. So I'll do things like they're, they're called frontal plane and sagittal plane leg swings. So if you can think about using, let's say like you're stable, you can just hold on to that side or if there's a rail that you can hold on to. And one leg is going to be your plant leg. We'll call that the stability leg. The other leg, usually the outside part, so away from the stable, is your working leg that's going to swing. And what you do is you're just swinging the leg forward to back while keeping your plant leg or your stability leg super stable and then allow that leg to start swinging forward to back. And that's a sagittal plane. So what that does is it starts loosening up your hip flexor squeezing your glute, and then flexing your hip flexor and relaxing your glute. Things that happen when you're moving. It doesn't, it's, it's just not specific to riding. It's specific to human movement in general. Right after that, so it's a 10 quick ones, each side. Right after that, then you turn and face the stable. So now both hands are on whatever you're using to support yourself for balance. And then you'll swing your leg in a frontal plane, which means left to right. And now you're swinging your leg and now you're crossing it over and your hip is now adducting and then you're swinging the leg out to the side for you. So now you're abducting. So we call that abduction. So adduction and abduction are movements that are done while you're riding. Specific? No. But the general is what we're trying to focus here. So just those two exercises literally will take you between 30 seconds and 45 seconds, depending on how fast you're swinging your legs. Those two. So those would be my first two go-to ones. The next one that I would do to try to activate your, your system is to try to get a pitchfork, something that you're using to muck a stall. And we've done this, Reese. Remember when I brought my sticks? And I showed you those the, the way to loosen up your chest. Yeah, I like the sticks. They really help, actually. Yeah, so what you do with the, with the pitchfork, I think I have a video on that on my Instagram, but it was a while. It was like a couple of years ago when I showed it. Somebody took a video of me showing someone, but it's basically putting the top of your hand on the top of the stick. So it's in the palm of your hand, I'm sorry. And then the other hand is, is lower on the stick. And what you're doing is you're swinging the stick up at a 45 degree angle towards the hand that is on top of the stick. So as you're swinging it and you're pushing with that bottom hand up, your arm is going to get distracted a little bit, meaning it's going to get pulled. And when you pull and push, it stretches out your chest muscles. Why do I focus that? Because usually if people are sitting for a long time, earlier I said that there's muscles that get long and get weak. And then there's muscles get, that get tight. And when they're tight, they, they won't allow your back muscles to function properly. The chest is those muscles, are those muscles that get tight. So the more I stretch them out dynamically, so I'm swinging the stick up at a 45 and then I'm letting it fall down. I'm swinging the stick up at a 45 and letting it fall down. My chest starts to open up little by little. I'll do about 10 to 12 reps each side. That may take me again another 30, maybe 45 seconds because I also want to breathe and I want to maybe hold the stretch at the top for a little bit, just like for a second. So it might add a little bit of time. So now I've worked on my hip loosening up. 
and I've worked on one exercise to at least open my chest up so that I have a shot at pinching my shoulder blades and dropping them down, putting them in a good spot. Now, if I just had, again, five minutes, I would say that those three exercises are a very low cost entry point to giving you or setting you up to have a good habit of warming up. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fantastic. I mean, for me, something that I um, have to have to do before I get on my first horse is uh, stretch out my hamstrings because oh, yeah. uh, I think that, that yeah. the hamstring is used quite a bit in your riding. So if if I don't do that and I get on my first horse and he's a bit lazy and I go to <laughs> I, I go to, you know, give a, a, a quick kick, I'm going to feel it if, mm-hmm. if that's that's yeah. not yeah. especially, you know, in this weather where it's like minus 20 degrees out or, or whatever. And yeah. I don't do that hamstring stretch. I'm going to, I'm going to feel it. And then I'm going to have to go home and roll it out. And, and, and yeah. I've got all kinds of stuff that, um, you know, I've, I've got one of the vibration guns and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I, I really want to prevent myself from making yeah. any of my, you don't want to use that vibration gun. What's that? <laughs> you don't want to use that vibration gun at all. Tony has one and it's, yeah, you don't want to go there. Just don't do it. <laughs> and, and she feel for that. If I were to say uh, you didn't have time and hamstring stretch was one, well, just one body part, but I wanted to give you more bang for your buck, there's where that leg swing would come in handy because not only would it stretch out your hamstring as you're kicking your leg up, yeah, yeah. but it would also be helping your hip flexor work. So you also need your hip flexor when you're riding. So now we're kicking, we're, you're put it, for the most part, getting a couple birds here with with one stone and that leg swing so it can be dynamic enough to stretch the hamstrings and and improve your the the strength of your hip flexor and then when you're swinging back now it's stretching out your hip flexor and now you're squeezing your glute so now the glutes are starting to get active enough to not have to use the low back as the main muscles around the back which are your erectors as your stabilizers, you're going to be using your glutes to help you stabilize your hips so that you don't collapse. So again, I try to pick the, when, when someone's fighting me on the, on the warm up for whatever reason, I, I know I can get these people to do three exercises that for the most part are very easy to do. You don't have to be in shape to warm up because that's another thing. Well, I haven't worked out in so long. I didn't say work out. I said warm up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've got right. Tony. We've got him. We've got him edgy now. He's like, "Jeez, I can't even <laughs> oh make him God, do yeah. it." Like, oh my God! Like, we've got him jaded just, already. You're welcome, everybody. That my, that's that me. Is the world. That's my reality. So then I have to come up with ways to introduce it at a very low. I always say this: it's the cost of entry is very low. Like, if you just invest this much with these cool exercises. And then if you wanted to like say, okay, Phil, here's a couple more uh, intricate exercises that would give you more. Well, then at that point, now that I got you built on a habit, now we can add something more for the hip flexors or for your hamstrings. Now we can add a little bit more of hip internal and external rotation, which is very important for having lower leg control. And, but, but that takes more skill. That takes a little bit more time. And we're not there yet. We're at five minutes. So that's what <laughs> I would do. Okay, so I, I so everybody it. can go out there and start with those three things, and then you know maybe in a month we'll add something to it or or whatever. Yeah. The the yeah. other thing I want to say before we let you go here, Tony, is that um, you know since we last talked, I actually signed up for Instagram just to see your Instagram page because you're always talking about it, and wow, you've got a lot of great stuff on there. So I just wanted to you know uh, say to everybody who is not on Instagram, maybe maybe your page is is um a reason to join oh thanks yeah, i appreciate that <laughs> no problem <laughs> i wake up real early to get all that stuff done and i'm like i hope people in, are getting you know some type of use from this i'm a, <laughs> i i appreciated it yeah i appreciated it and i appreciate you and i want to thank you for coming on the show and, and all that great stuff uh thank you and here's what i'm gonna do i i talked to reese about this it's, i'm um currently filming it I am going to put out a free ebook that is going to be uh, built for equestrians, the pre-ride warm-up. And I'll also probably have some cool-down exercises. So I'm going to create 
a library of exercises that can start from, again, low entry point to I want to take this a little bit more serious. And you'll have the opportunity to just click on links, go to these videos, and you can build what you need. So it'll be for hip stability, hip mobility, balance, upper body mobility and stability, and flexibility because the upper body can, can get pretty tight. That way, you can pick and choose a la carte what works for you. So if it is something with your shoulders, okay, warm this up. Here's a couple things that you can add. If it is with your low back, great, try these things. That way, uh, again, it's a way for me to help everybody that listens to this show, but to, to teach them that you don't have to worry about being in extreme shape to warm up. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Tony, how can we find you online? So I have my website, which is coachsandotraining.com. I don't know if people still say www. I feel like I that's don't either. <laughs> no, I think I think we dropped that in probably uh, 2020 or I so. Still say 2019 it. I still or something. say it. Yeah. I so, I don't, it. Uh, so for the people that do need the www, there it is. But <laughs> I feel awkward saying it. <laughs> yeah. And then I have... Uh, like so, I said my Instagram page, which is at Coach Sando Training, um, and I had a cool post today about uh, how to calm your nerves before shows. So three quick habits that you can do, so you guys can go and check that out. Um, but yeah, those are the best ways to to find me. I also have a Facebook page. I'm sorry, which is the same uh, Coach Sando Training. That's awesome, Tony. Thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to next month. Uh, looking forward to it as well. You all have a great night. No trainer has time for endless phone calls and text messages informing owners of training progress and updating their teams on care plans. That's where the concept of horse report system originated, a centralized system that can help busy trainers easily communicate with their team and with each horse's owner about training and health needs. From there, the vision expanded to organizing demographic data needed for competitions like microchip info, breed society, and sport association numbers, as well as storage for photos and important documents. Based on input from professionals at the elite level of equine sports, the system grew to include everything a busy professional needs to keep their horses in top form and their owners engaged with the horse's progress. Today, Horse Report System is continuously evolving to provide equestrians of every level and discipline with the most convenient and user-friendly way to provide optimal care for their horses and easy communication with their team. We're the Healthy Critters Crew. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. If you're a horse lover, dog lover, cat lover, llama lover, chicken lover, parrot lover, paw and hooves and feathers lover, Healthy Critters is for you. We have fascinating guests, nutrition tips, information on various critters, and the only talking Pomeranian dog on the radio. Hello, everyone. Join us for our bi-monthly laughter-filled romps on HRN. Brought to you by Biostar US. Well, tonight, I'm so excited to have a friend of ours, Jordan LaPlaca, on the line. I saw him in the CDI tent last week, and I couldn't wait to have him on the show. Jordan, welcome. Hey, thank you. Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. So I'm a professional dressage rider, and I am based out of Connecticut in Ledgerd, which is in the Mystic area of Connecticut. And... I seasoned down here in Florida in Wellington. I brought eight horses down this season, and it's been one heck of a great start to 2022 after not being able to do much the last two years. I love it. Well, eight horses in Wellington and showing, it's its a lot because it's sort of, you know, you're showing and you have the horses at the barn and um, it can really, it, it, it's intense. So tell us, this is your first year at the CDI international level, correct? Yes. Because that's what we wanted to talk about tonight because uh, it's it's a huge thing to navigate. We all talk about, oh, I'm in a CDI this weekend or I'm working toward a CDI, but there's a lot of things that go into that. And I thought you would just be a great person to sort of talk about it. So can you tell us a little bit about your CDI horse and then we'll we'll go through the process of what it's like to enter him and go to a CDI. Excellent. Excellent. Well, so this year I've got a super um, 
horse that is owned by a client that we uh, imported last year from Germany. And we got him sort of, he was unconfirmed at the level we're doing now and spent a year developing him and decided that, hey, you know, he's he's got some quality. Let's see how this goes. And he's coming 12, I think, uh, Santa Moore Gelding. And um, I've just sort of fallen in love with him and you know it was kind of a a non the intention was not to really go here with him it was sort of we bought him for my client and you know it was going to be a shared ride and then it sort of morphed into hey he's got a little bit of extra let's see where we can go with it so um this is his first uh debut at the fei level let alone the cdi level so this has kind of been a trial run um, but he's proven to be a super good candidate for the sport and just loves to show. And it's been a blast to take him down center line. Yeah. So, so what is, it. what is, uh, the, yeah, I just was going to ask, like, what is your experience with him, uh, in the competition arena? You know, where have you shown or, and what, what levels and, and, you know, so how, I, did you decide just, to, how did you decide to, how did you decide to jump the CDI? I really sort of just dove in. He had never competed at uh, St. George or I won and I had him over the year and we came down this season and I came down with the intention of going, you know, I think he's got the quality and I, you know, I have mentors and people that I work with and they agreed. And so I kind of just dove in. I took him to a schooling show <laughs> maybe once or twice beforehand, and then kind of just dove right in. Okay, so, I love it. Okay, you're looking okay. at, you're we, looking we don't recommend at, that okay. for everyone. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend that. You know, but but I think that that opens up a really good topic. I mean, if you're confident and you're really ready and think the horse is ready to go into the international sport, I think that is awesome. I I think. Normally, when I decide to go into CDI or not, you know, I, I know how the horse is a little bit in the international ring. And you know, I mean, a lot of times your scores, if you're you're sort of not sort of in the mid to high to 70%, mid-high 60s to 70%, typically you're going to go into the international ring and your scores will go down a little bit. Not always, but um, they're going to be tougher in there. So I think the normal route is, no offense, I think it's great. I, everybody t- everybody does their own route, but you know, typically you got to be pretty confident in your horse and in the level before you go in before five judges. So, but, oh, absolutely, Reese. I, yeah. I have to agree with you 100%. And I do want to clarify, you know, part of the, the decision to do this is, or was rather, you know, as I took him, down this the beginning of the season um and did the schooling shows you know he just proved to really enjoy showing and really you know just was solid in the ring and and so it was not a foolish like let's just jump in and see what we got it's i knew i had a horse that was confident going down center line you know it's just it worked for me and him so yeah exactly in the the schooling shows you know, the schooling shows in Wellington, honestly, are essentially recognized competitions. You're going to have recognized judges. I mean, the schooling shows here versus sort of the schooling shows in Kentucky or, you know, where I'm from. I like to clarify that. Like, you know, they have a schooling show on a Wednesday that has three rings with all, you know, top judges. So Right, I think and you're getting S-level fun. judges, which is super. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit different. Sure. It's not like jumping in. So, no, I, I think it's great. And and like you said, you're ready to go. So, okay, so now we're ready to go. We decided our horse is ready at that level. Then the interesting part starts, right? So can you talk mm. to us a little bit about, I mean, you can't just enter a CDI, right? Like there's some stages you have to do for U.S. riders. Well, we're going to put this for on sure. the U.S. riders versus, sorry, Phil, you'll have to tell us what the Canadians do, but it's, it's for U.S. Similar. riders. Yeah, it's yeah. a very similar process, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit after. Yeah, cool. So, okay. So, Jordan, we were ready. We feel really confident. We want to go to the international ring. What do you do next? So, I think one of the most important things you do for this next step is to make sure that you have colleagues and friends who have experience doing this so that you can rely and refer to them for help when you have questions, because the whole process is super daunting. There's many apps, there's different registrations you've got to be up to date with. You, you've got to make sure for us, we've got to go through USEF, then the FEI, and then we've got the dashboard. And then there's, you know, it's like 
so many different things to navigate through. So I think the first thing is to have someone who knows a little bit about it to help navigate. I, I think that was definitely well, in my favor. I think, I think maybe the first thing, and, and this may take a little while for some people to, to get your horse FEI passported. Yes. You got yeah, well, to start that, that process that. early. Like, yeah. yeah. We're, we're doing ours for a certain horse that may go international this summer. We're doing it now to make sure he gets yeah. it, you know, because it's got to yes. go off to Europe and then come back and, you know, all this stuff. So I just yes. want to so say that's kind of the first really, step. You make a super yeah. good point with that because I do have to say the passport process is almost the most daunting because when you purchase a horse or get a horse with one that's not been kept up and then you make a transfer of ownership or say you have a new horse that you're starting it over, you've got to have everything dotted and T's crossed and vet signatures and owner signatures and approved by this. And sent. I mean, that, that you, I think you're dead on. That is the most challenging yeah. first step is getting the passport in order. Yes. And in, in ours, you know, I'm lucky. I actually live 10 minutes from the office. So I have literally had to hand deliver it a few times and sit outside the office <laughs> waiting for it. But that's really not very many people have that opportunity. But, you know, they, so first of all, you have to call USCF or your national federation. You have to apply for a passport and pay. They really want your money. And they really um, money. That's yeah, sure. they really, <laughs> then you have to have a veterinarian that really knows what they're doing. That's actually really important. You need to have an FEI veterinarian. And if your, your vet is not an FEI veterinarian, you got, they got to read the stuff because that can really throw off the process. And then you have to make sure that all your vaccinations are up to date and also done in the correct time. Cause that's a bad thing. If you miss one, that's a huge pain in the tail because again, they want your money, so they'll fine you. And so you're right. So this all happened before we came to Florida. You needed to have that. You can't just say, oh, okay, you know, I'm ready to go in two weeks. And if you don't have, you're not, there's no way you're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, vaccination timing is, is very, very right. important. They're very detailed about that. You can't just yes. give it and then go to a show. It has to be within a certain time. And, and yeah, I mean, they're very, very much sticklers about all this stuff and so uh yeah start the process early you know research 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 you know call your vet make sure your your vet knows what what they're doing and that or that they've done it before all that kind of stuff yeah yeah and then okay so we've got our passport we're ready to go now we want to enter the horse show for a uscf rider you like you mentioned it you have to go to the uscf website and actually apply Mm -hmm. at certain levels and, and again, this is dependent on on what level you're doing. Um, at Grand Prix, you have to have a certain uh, scores to be eligible. I'm not sure at the small tour level at this point, but again, that that changes every year. So you have to make sure you might as well just call USCF and because the girls in the office are amazing and they'll help you walk you through it. But you have to go and say, I want to do this CDI. I want to do this level. You click the submit. Then you get your sort of, yay, you're in, you can do it. And then once that happens, then you actually can enter the competition, which Jordan, I'm sure you feel the same way I do. It's like, um, grab your credit card and warm it up a little bit because it's, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's sticker shock when you're not used to what the international prices are versus the national level entry fees. So there is definitely that to sort of be prepared for. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. Well, as so far as the show organizing goes, I mean, it's more judges, it's international judges, yeah. it's, you know, international veterinarian. I mean, all they don't just, you know, charge you and, and t- keep your money. It's it's all, it, go, it all goes to good places, but. Uh, yes, exactly. Oh, for expensive. sure. But it's sort of, it's definitely a sticker shock when you're not sort of in the mindset for it in the sense that you realize, ooh, we've just stepped it up. Yeah. Yes, and it, exactly. like it, it all goes. <laughs> It all goes to its appropriate places for sure. But, um, you know, again, I'm going to sort of add this in is I think one of the next things that's important outside of getting your entries and your USEF stuff done and your FEI stuff done and entering the show is being familiarized with what's expected. What are the rules? What are the, you know, the... That like if you touch something that's a banned substance and how that can affect you if your horse is tested or you know simple little nuances that you just don't know are not okay you got to become really familiarized with yeah 
And that's a so great there's a lot point. of reading. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of reading. You're absolutely right. So that's a really good point. When, you know, we make grain, once once you're sort of within the window, um, we usually do it two weeks out because I'm super keyed up on it, is all that horse's food that's going to the CDI, we actually glove up and we use only the same scoops and we don't intermingle anything because we're that sort of the same. So that, that's, yep. that's something we practice too. I mean, you've got to be super stringent about that because yeah, right. if it can test, it will, test. it will, <laughs> it will test. And the tests are so, you know, and again, most of the time you're not even trying to do it, but some horses on something that's banned and it could, t- you know, it's just, that's what we do. And I think everyone's, you know, pretty, pretty up to date on that and pretty careful. Uh, but that's something you have to do when you have a CDI horse and you have to know like when anything that you, touches the horse, we call the veterinarian. Like I'm very close to my vet at this point because, you know, ask a lot of questions. Me, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's on it's speed just dial. <laughs> yes. You have to be very careful about it. Yeah, um, ignorance is not a good enough excuse. You know, you you. No. I mean, if your horse tests, it's it's very serious. I mean, we see it we see it in the news all the time, and and horse or rider, you or know. Riders. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's I mean, the other thing. Absolutely. There's, there's and the thing is too to this point, there is the information out there. So, like yeah. you said, ignorance is not a valid excuse because the the information needed is available. <laughs> Yeah, you just got to exactly. take time and read it. <laughs> you got to read it. You do have to read it, and you have to read it every year, and you have to really be up to date on it. And that's why you know we're ha- we're doing this segment because I mean it's daunting, even if it's not your first year. I kind of went through this again last year because it was my first time in eleven years to do a CDI, so it had been a really long time, and things had really changed. So now there is an app in which you have to take your horse's temperature three days before the jog. You have to log your horse's temperature. And, um, you know, and they're very serious about it. If you don't log it, you're not getting in the tent and they're taking your, you know, you're not in, you can't compete. So that is another thing that's new this year. This is new for all of us. There have been some glitches to it. Mm -hmm. I was even talking to my friend who's a show jump rider, like every rider that's in the international arena, uh, show jumping, driving, all of it, they're under these restrictions too. So uh, you have to have, there's apps now that you have to load everything on. So once you've sort of logged your apps, then what happens once you get to global, right? So we're talking about jog day. So kind of walk everybody through that process. So jog day, it's, you know, when you are first doing it, it's, it's sort of like the rite of passage. You know, once you get your jog situated and done and approved, you feel like you could just like take a deep breath yeah. for two seconds because <laughs> yes. the next level of the gauntlet's about to hit. But no, in all seriousness, um, I, I think preparing for the jog, having done this before in driving, I, I knew what to expect and was prepared for, for sort of the presentation aspect of it. And it wasn't new to me. But one of the things that I find traditional in a sense about it is it sort of is the rite of passage and this next step of the process. And it's sort of a a part of the due process, I guess, is the way I'm supposed to say, you know, you, you get yourself prepared mentally, you braid your horse, you're thinking about the week ahead and when your tests are, lots of stuff's going through your head. And of course you've always wondering like, Oh my goodness, I hope everything's great. You know, a lot of things with horses happen so quickly, right? So you're, go in sound and you never know what's going to come out. So you've always got that little trepidation, but I think it's, it's a great first step. You know, you get yourself centered, you braid your horse, you go in, do your business, hand your passport off, smile, you get past, you know, and then you're on to the next stage of the process. Yeah. So just so everybody knows the jog, you basically take your horse in, you're braided. Um, it has gotten less formal since COVID used to be that we dressed now some people dress, but I just put nice, my boots on and nice britches and a top. And you literally, you hand the, the, the judges who are your judges and the veterinarians, you hand them your passport they look over the horse, make sure that there's nothing wrong. And then you jog down a lane and you jog back. And in the morning, when you go into, into the stabling, they do what's called an in-barn. So literally at Global, there ha- you have to have two people because somebody, you literally take the horse off the trailer and go right to where the veterinarians are. And that's your time, you know, if they have a scratch or you're worried about something or it's, they're, they're there to help you not be mean to you, you know, but they check over your passport. 
they temp the horses. And, and we get temps again. More temperatures are yes, taken. More te- there's a lot of temperatures. <laughs> a, a lot, lot of, of temperatures temperature. are being taken. There's temperatures all the time. Yeah, which is good because, again, there last year there was the EHV1 outbreak in Europe and a little bit in northern Florida. So um, they're very careful. I was in the CDI barn when that happened. So it was more temps were taken. But so that happens. So you, you've done that already. And then you go do your jog and uh, there's a dashboard uh, that you sign up for. And you know, you're going to be in the, let's say 11 o'clock group. And then once you're in your 11 o'clock group, you go there at your time and up and down you go. And uh, hopefully it's as simple as that. You can, if they see something they don't like, they can hold you. They can have you jog again. You know, again, they want, you know, nobody wants to fail you, but they are making sure that your horse looks okay and is is doing okay. So uh, once that I want to add about the, yeah. the jog process too, which was kind of interesting is, you know, when you sign up for these times, you, you also have to be prepared to go a little early because the jogs tend to run a little quicker than you sign up. And yeah. So like you'll have the attendants running through, you know, this group come now or early. So, you know, it's, it's kind of good to be prepared to go earlier than your slot for that. Um, yes. Cause then you got people yelling at you groups. Let's go. <laughs> you do, you do. And once the jog happens, then they basically lock down the stabling. So this is also a little bit different for a CDI, right? So you have to give in your credentials. So you know, basically you get an email uh, in Wellington, it comes on Sunday. Other, other CDIs are different, but you are limited for the number of people that can come into the stables. Um, so that's always good to know. Uh, you can't, basically there's no real party back there. It's not open. So the rider gets a credential, you get a companion, you get a coach, you get a groom. And I think two owner passes or one owner pass. So you have to be yep. prepared for that, you know, that that you have to know that not everybody is going to get your, into that. Your squad too. can't come. <laughs> yes. No, they can the go, they can watch. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is good. It keeps it a little bit quieter back there. And again, you know, it's, it's nice. Usually I try to stable with a friend because you're not, you're not always there and we kind of check the horses and that kind of stuff. Um, and they're very well watched. That's, that, that, that is not a problem, but you can't have your squad back, back there. That's right. And then, um, then the draw happens, right? So, um, do you want to tell everybody about the draw? Yeah, the draw is interesting. So, um, unlike other sort of shows, you don't necessarily get your time after the draw. Like they wait till the evening before your class. So Mm -hmm. for example, like if you're going on Saturday, you don't get your Saturday ride time till Friday night. So that's mm-hmm. something to be prepared for mentally that you can't really plan your life based off of having a set ride time. Um, but the interesting thing is they, you know, they draw your number, everyone gets a time. And then, you know, from that, you get, you know, your time for that class, like the day before. So there's not a lot of prep time which I think is different and you've got to be a little prepared for mentally, you know, that can yeah. unnerve some people and, you know, it is, is it what is it what is. it is. Just, yeah. And it's, I think it is hard for rider for, for us riders who have businesses down here, you know, so people yeah, are like, for sure. uh, what are we doing on Saturday? And you're like, uh, I won't know till Friday night. So I definitely right. prepare my clients and people that they're down. Like, uh, you got to give me grace on what will happen on that day because I, I can't tell you. you can, sure. And again, there's certain times that you can school. It's not, it's, it's much more yeah, regulated. Sure. Yeah. Uh, than yeah, a regular sure. competition. You, there's places you can walk. There's places, you know, and again, it, it is good that if you're, you're going down this road that number one, like you said, you really talk to people, then make friends with the show organizer. And just say like, absolutely make yeah. make friends with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people and the stewards, they're there to help you. They're really, you know, unless you're doing something really bad, they're going to, they're going to make sure you're okay. Nobody wants to get you eliminated, but you do have to pay attention to that. That's actually important. So it, again, it's probably that it sounds daunting and it is a little bit daunting until you're used to it until you've done it a few times. And now you, you're on your third or fourth one this season, right? It's, it's old hat now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I, but again, the more you do, you get more comfortable with the process. The first one, it, it is terrifying. No kidding. Uh, for everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. I would agree. I think the first one, you kind of just want to get through it alive and then 
yeah. <laughs> you know, decompress and then like gauge the situation and realize whether or not is this for me or is this not where I want yeah, to be? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you really do, you understand, you know, a little bit more as you go through what, what the, the top riders go through, but they're pretty used to it. And once you're used to it, it, it right. makes it easier. So one thing that I became woefully aware of during this whole process so far is that there is a due process to this. Like you, you, you can't just come in and take it by storm and expect to, you know, be on top of the mountain. Like, I think it's a very healthy, uh, thing to come in and realize it's a, it's really an honor to be able to compete at this level. And it's a privilege. And it's, uh, for many riders who kind of get to this point, it's a moment of everything starts to make sense. You know, all of the years of, of leading up to this moment start to make sense. And so I think it's, for your first one, second one, first year, I mean, as, as you get more comfortable with it, you know, that sort of becomes the normal, but it is sort of a very special privilege to be able to compete internationally. Um, and to realize that you're being held to an international standard, not just your country standard. I love that. I mean, Jordan, I couldn't have said it any better. Like that was an amazing way to say that. And it's true. And I think there's only so many riders in the world that get to go down that center line. And uh, we all sit on the side sometimes and talk about, oh, I could do this and I can do that. And and I sit there thinking, uh-huh, yeah, you just mm-hmm. go into that center line and, and see how it feels. Like you get out there and it's, and it is, it, it is an honor. It's a privilege. It's humbling. There's a lot of humbling that will happen. Um, For but sure. But it is, For sure. it's, it's an amazing experience. One of the things that I think is so important is to remember outside of the fact that we're competing that this is supposed to be a good experience for our horses. And so when you have the perspective that, yes, you're competing and this is serious, you know, at the end of the day, our horses still have to enjoy their jobs. So I I find making the experience good for the horse, you know, and limiting the pressure, especially, you know, not saying that the one-star level is nothing to sneeze at, but like, you know, it's the beginning, right? So this is the time to kind of get your feet wet for, at least for me, anyway, I look at it like this. It's time to get the horse down, get the miles, you know, get the experience and make sure you leave that ring with a horse that's willing to kind of go back in the ring. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's so yeah. easy to overface these horses. So this whole beginning process to the CDI thing, I would encourage people that want to do it to have a good, healthy balance of their expectation and to remember that it's not just about us. We've still got our horses that we've got to deal in this overwhelming atmosphere. <laughs> make it a oh, good experience. <laughs> make it a good experience. Well, Jordan, I couldn't have said it better. That was a great way and a great perspective. And I think that is exactly how you have to go in looking at at, at all this level. Because it really is, it, it 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 really truly the riders at this level, you know, you kind of know how it's gonna slide, the class is gonna end up. Uh, now there are horses. Um, but I have always found that competitors throughout the world, there's respect for everybody that's in there. Uh, there's respect mm. for what happens. Everybody's had good days. Everybody's had bad days. Absolutely. Uh, and everybody respects it when it's a bad day. So I love it. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. I know you're actually at Global. You're probably going to check your horse uh, for the evening. <laughs> but how can our listeners find you online and watch your journey? Um, so I've got a website, it's maverickhilldressage.com. Um, and I keep a lot of stuff on the website up to date and then Facebook, Jordan LaPlaca and Instagram, Jordan LaPlaca. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Jordan, we are, we, I am rooting you on, especially, I know you're going to have a great show this weekend and, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been an honor. Well, Phil, we had a saddle day this week where we fitted saddles. I love it. It's always so helpful. And Justin at Total Saddle Fit is fantastic about saddle fit questions. And Justin has a great saddle pad, the six-point saddle pad that is shimmable and it has wither freedom. And this is such a great pad because, you know, I'm really lucky. I get to see our saddle fitter when we're here in Florida. He also comes in November. So if I have some horses in Kentucky that need to get looked at, but Big Mike did not get looked at in in Kentucky because it happened to be he was competing the day the saddle fitter came to the barn. 
So I, and I didn't want to change obviously the saddle pad or the saddle right before the national championship. So he didn't get looked at. And I kept like, why is his saddle a, a, not great? And I was using a shimmable saddle pad from total saddle fit. And finally I was able to get the saddle fitter out, but it was just a good reminder that you can't always see your saddle fitter all the time. And it just doesn't always work out, but to have that item in your tack room is, is the way to go. Yeah, I think it's been indispensable in uh, in young horses, and you know where where they're changing a lot, or you know, so we're kind of the same way in that you know I try to get the saddles looked at every six months, but it's nice to be able to to tweak them a little bit or experiment if uh, if something's not feeling right. So the half pads from from Total Saddle Fit are awesome, as are all the rest of their products. Just go to www.totalsaddlefit.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we are so excited to have USCF certified instructor, bronze, silver, and gold medalist, Julie Penshorn. Julie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, Julie, you have a great tip for our listeners today. Ken, I'm just going to let you get started. All right. Today's tip is how to be better at doing the turn on the forehand and why you want to know. <laughs> so the turn on the forehand, I feel, is an extremely essential part of anybody's dressage training. It's interesting that you'll discover it in Western training as well, but that it's used in a rather different way. I use turn on the forehand as a fundamental building block of all future work. You can find it in a similar type of, of delivery in the old master's works in Podowski. I've read uh, some articles by Courtney King Dye. Um, everybody and their brother and mother uses turn on the forehand. but. It can be used so deftly that you develop your transitions, you develop your halts, you develop your stretching circle, you develop, of course, half halts because they sort of go with halts and um, all sorts of other things. So here's how to do it. First of all, start with very soft reins whenever possible. Make sure that you're sitting toward the direction of the leg that you're going to use. Now, that gets a little bit tricky because you're going to tend to tip your hips at that point. So when I say sit toward the direction of the leg you're going to use, let's say, for example, you want to teach your horse to move away from your right leg. And that really is the best side to start on because, in my experience, most horses tend to be hollow on the right side, which means that they keep their hindquarters a little further toward the right and their shoulder a little further toward the left, giving them a concave picture on the right. So a really important thing for them to learn how to do is line up their haunches with their forehand. Therefore, a turn on the forehand from the right leg in the back position moves their haunches over to the left and you can continue around a circle, making a directional change or a full 360 in a turn. Or you can use the turn as a way to line up the hindquarters better with the forehand. So start by bringing your right leg back. Now, when you do this, this does not mean you need to bring your thigh back. Everybody's so trying to be the most beautiful dressage rider in the world. So they take their unflexible legs and their unyielding hips and they force them into a dressage saddle that cranks their knee way back underneath them so they can look like Lisa Wilcox. I'm sorry, you're not probably going to look like that, so you might as well just get used to it. Let your knee bend. Don't ride in a saddle that's a straitjacket. You can do this in a jumping saddle. Allow your knee to bend. Now you pull your calf back. 
All right. What moves the horse is not really your leg. It's the air under your leg and your whip. If you use your leg, it's too much aid. You're begging. It's very important in the turn on the forehand to think, horse, I'd like you to move away from this air underneath my right leg. Oh, you don't understand that. Let me help you. I'm going to use this other leg I have on that side. It's called my whip. I'm going to touch you gently with my whip. Oh, you felt that? Oh, that's terrific. Aren't you wonderful? Now you've taken one step toward the left with your haunches. You're brilliant. Good boy. I only want you to take one step at a time because I don't want to wheel you around I want you to deliberately step in front of and across your other hind leg. When you do that, lo and behold, horse, you're going to develop some engagement because that right hind as it crosses over the left is going to bend. As it does all those things, it's going to lower. Now, here comes back to your position. Yes, you're going to stay on the right side of that saddle, but you're going to keep your left hip down. And the first thing that happens when that horse takes a step is your hips are going to move. One is going to go up and the other is going to go down. You're going to feel unbalanced and like you're tipping over and off the horse. Here's where the very, very valuable thing of use your core muscles and imagine that there is maybe a string of lights on your belt. And make sure that that string of light stays level. Your belt has to stay level. Even as your horse moves, don't let him throw your butt cheeks up in the air one at a time. All he's doing at that point is not bending his own hind legs. The point of this exercise or a huge point of this exercise is to get the horse to bend his hind legs when he steps over and across and under himself. He will. Now, after he begins to step over fairly willingly and you are able to make the turn on a small little dinner plate with his front legs, what I mean, the front legs of the horse are turning in such a small area. He's not wandering around somewhere. I like to practice these on the center line. So I'm looking at A when I start, looking at C when I finish. Or maybe I go all the way around. Maybe I go around a couple times. Another way to do it is to ride down the rail of the arena. If I were going to turn from the right leg, I'd ride around the arena heading left. Deep breath, blow it out. Think of saying, uh, use those tummy muscles and now you have a halt. Now bring your right leg back and ask the horse one step, stop. Another step, stop. Using the wall to help you eliminate forward motion. With the turn on the forehand, um, you can do it against the wall, correct? You can also do it in the open side of the arena. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yep. depending on, on what, you're, what you're looking for and the level of engagement. And if you need the wall for stability, those are some great places to do it. And I love how you just said, you know, the horse should, you should not be begging to move forward. So I think that that was such a great point that you made because, so many people I see, you know, it, it, the turn of the forehand is a building block exercise. And I see those riders digging in and it's, oh, it's not what we're after there. So I love that idea yeah. of gentle. What I, what I find is the worst turns are made with the strongest leg. Keep your thigh open, your leg relaxed. Yes, move the calf back. Yeah. Keep yourself level. Use a little bit of stirrup pressure, perhaps, so you don't fall off when the horse moves. Yeah. But tap him. Give him a tap. And and then that sets the tone for all the rest of your work. Julie, that's that's fantastic tip for all of our riders. And and I think you're right. That sets the tone. Um, and that's really one of the extras or the reasons you're using the turn on the forehand. So yes, that is to develop sensitivity and obedience to the leg, which is a cardinal principle of everything we do. I love it. Well, Julie, this was such a great tip. How can our listeners find you online? Well, you can go to sunbornstables.com. That used to be my 
business for 20 some years. Now I just work there. That's a smart lady right there. (laughs) And so now I'm freed up to do clinics and other things. But I warn you, I'm very particular and very classical, but I believe in horses do need to respond rather than ignore their riders. I'd like to give you my email as well Great. And because the contact information on Sunborn Stables is uh, for the current owner. But you can reach me at my name. It's very simple. Julie, J-U-L-I-E, Penshorn, P-E-N-S-H-O-R-N at gmail.com. Well, Julie, thank you so much for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. And we look forward to having you another time. Well, Phil, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs from all our listeners. Keep them coming. You guys know if you have a question or a tip that you want us to talk about, send us an email. We love it and we'll get to it for sure. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Total Saddle Fit. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 